Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday Evening Chapel. Tell the person next to you, it's good to see you in chapel and thanks for sitting by me. We are here trusting in the Lord with all our hearts in this stand. It is our privilege to have a special guest with us tonight, Pastor Reverend Brian Troxell. He's one of the local pastors from Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. Let's welcome him. Thank you, Pastor Troxell, joining us. He's going to help us hear from the Lord. You know, I'm thankful for chapel, aren't you? Amen. I'm very thankful just to be able just to draw closer to the Lord together and even just worship alongside uh, brothers and sisters who are called, who are just saying yes to God. It's a joy just to worship. And we serve a great God, and He is worthy to be praised. Uh, Psalms 9 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all your wonders, and I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name Oh, most high. So can we do that? Can we sing praise to his name tonight? Let's worship. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
15, Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me. Gospel of Luke chapter 15, you, we're going to look at some stories here that ought to be very familiar to you. We're going to start right at verse 1 though, because we need to understand the context of these stories. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear him, Jesus, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. So here's the picture. You've got two different groups of people in the presence of Jesus at this point. Jesus is over here and he's, he is engaging the tax collectors and the sinners. That's why he's come. Seek and save the lost. And he's engaging this crowd. But the problem is that the, the good church folks of the day, the religious leaders of the day, are really ticked off about this. They, they are frustrated that Jesus is engaging this crowd. And they're irritated about it. And, and Jesus knows that they are irritated by this, so He begins to tell them these stories. Three stories, right back to back to back. He steps back and He begins to dialogue. Which one of you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go look for the one that is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he will place it on his shoulders and begin to rejoice and to return home and call together his friends and neighbors, telling them, Rejoice with me because I have found my sheep that was lost. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need to repent." Have you ever lost something valuable? Have you ever lost something so valuable that when you found it, you called your friends and threw a party? No. No, because you were probably embarrassed about losing it in the first place. I lose lots of things. I know what that feels like. 
But he's telling this very, very important story to this crowd of people who is irritated about him engaging this group of people. Hey, you understand the value of a sheep. And suppose a guy loses one of his hundred sheep. He goes out to find it, leaves the 99 in safety. When he finds it, he comes back, brings it back into the fold, and he throws a party because why? Because the sheep is valuable. There's value in what was lost and now found. These guys get that. It doesn't stop there. How about a woman? She has ten silver coins and loses one of them. Does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search thoroughly until she finds it? Of course. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Not only am I going to tell you a story about, about a sheep and the value of the sheep, but how about another story where there's a lady who's lost a coin, one of her ten coins. She finds it. The value is so important to her that when she finds it, she throws a party because that's how excited she is over finding what was lost. Again, another story about value. If you isolate these two stories... You really cheapen them because the reality is these two stories set up the main point. Here comes the left hook. Then Jesus said, verse 11, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that will belong to me. So he divided his assets between them. After a few days, the younger son gathered together all he had and left on a journey to a distant country where he squandered his wealth with a wild lifestyle. After he had spent everything, after he had blown it all, a severe famine took place in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and worked for one of the citizens of that country who sent him to feed pigs. Wow, you can just know that immediately as soon as he says that word, ooh, disgusting. That's what these people are thinking at this point this is the worst of the worst the lowest of the low he was longing to eat the carob pods the pigs were eating now we're getting really bad but no one gave him anything but when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired workers have food enough to spare but here i am dying from hunger i will get up and go to my father and say to him father i have sinned against heaven and against you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired workers. Allow me, please, to become like one of your slaves. So he gets up and he goes to his father. While he was still a long way from home, his father saw him and his heart went out to him and he ran and hugged his son and kissed him. Now let's pause there for a moment because there's something shockingly missing in this story. Jesus is telling the story, obviously, about God being the father and lost son, right? Not only has this guy been out and he has squandered everything that father had given him, but he has been hanging out with pigs. You would think that at, at, at the point when father and son were, were about, you know, five, ten feet away, dad would say, hold on a second, go take a shower. Ha, ha, ha.
Then I'll hug you. Then I'll embrace you. <laughs> That's not what happens. Father's love is so intense. Father's love is so severe for his lost son that when he sees him, he can't help but run and embrace him. Stink and all. And he even kissed him. And his son tries to get out the story that he's gone over and over as he's on his way there. Uh, getting to the place where he's, he's ready to say, let me be one of your slaves. So, so he begins to try to say, it. I'm no longer worried to be called your son. I've sinned against heaven and against you. Please treat me uh, like one of oh, let's see. Here we go. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Verse 21. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And he doesn't even get to finish his story. And father cuts him off and shouts out to the slaves, hurry, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's eat and celebrate. Let's party. Why? Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I know, folks, that this story is called the, prodigal, the lost son, the prodigal son, it's how it's titled in, in, in my Bible. I struggle with that because that's not the end of the story. You see, there's another son in this story. And this other son is equally as important in this story. You want to ask my opinion. You see, the older son was in the field just as he had been day in and day out. The good son. And as he came and approached the house, he heard music and he heard dancing and, and he calls one of the slaves and he asks what was happening. The slave replies, your brother has returned and your father has killed the fattened calf because he got his son back safe and sound. But the older son became angry and refused to go in and his father came out and appealed to him. And he said, look, dad, these many years I have worked like a slave for you and I never disobeyed your commands. Yet you never even gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, can't even call him brother, by the way. But when this son of yours came back who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And father says, son, you are always with me and everything that belongs to me is yours. But it was appropriate to celebrate for your brother was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now is found. I'm going to tell you folks that really this story is about father's love. It's about father's love for his two sons. And when Jesus steps back and he begins to engage this crowd with these three stories, he's talking about value. Here's these church leaders of the day who are disgusted with the fact that Jesus is engaging the bad crowd, the sinners. But Jesus says, you don't understand. You, you, you don't get it. You, you have forgotten their value. And if you've forgotten their value, the reality about you is you don't really understand your value. You see, that was the problem with the older son in the story. Do you realize that both of these sons basically have the same problem? They're, they're, they're on opposite, opposite ends of this continuum, but they have, it's, this, it's a continuum of slavery or, or, 
or orphanism. They don't realize their sonship. They don't realize their value. Younger son figures that he's blown it. That engaging father at father and son level is, is over with, is done with. There's no way that it's going to happen again. But maybe dad will let me become one of his slaves. Because at least they have a roof over the head and food to eat. Older son, the good son, he doesn't get it either. What does he say to his dad? All these years I have been slaving for you. There's a reality with us church folks. Many of us don't understand our value. And then there's a reality not just for us church folks, but there's a real reality for us church folks that serve. And this is why you guys are here. Because you're called to serve. The danger for us in this room is that we would become like this older son, forgetting about what our real value is, not forgetting about the work, not, not, not quitting because this guy didn't quit. This guy didn't squander stuff. He's been doing the job day in and day out, but the reality is his heart was bad. If he understood Father... If he really understood Father, he would have really understood the value of the lost son. And when, when he would have heard the news that brother had arrived, you better believe he would have dropped that rake or dropped that hoe or dropped that shovel and ran and joined the party and celebrated because brother is back home. But he was angry that dad would throw the party in the first place. Your value is that you are a son, you are a daughter. You haven't been adopted in. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, doesn't it? We've been adopted in. We've been, we've been adopted in as sons and daughters. That's the kind of value that we have. And not only that, but, but Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the fact that he wants to raise us up into the heavenly realms and, and, and seat us there, and, and he's got these heavenly blessings that he just wants to pour out upon us in the heavenly realms. The picture that I get when I, when I think of that is, is this huge banquet feast that Father has, has set before us, just full of all of his blessings. Can you just picture that feast, that table, this huge table, full of his blessings? Here's where we get stuck. Many people don't realize their sonship. Many people don't realize their, their sonship or their daughtership. And so they don't realize that they actually have a, a chair at the table with, with, with a placard there that has their name on it. They struggle to really identify with God as Father. They struggle to really identify as with the Father and Son relationship. So here's where people get stuck. Good Christian people, they can find themselves in the room with the table, but all they can see themselves as is servants. Oh, I can be in the room. I can be in the presence of Almighty, and I can help serve the table, but... 
there's no way I'm good enough to have a chair. My chair is in the kitchen. But he has a place for you. That's your value. That's your value. Right here and right now. And if you can understand this value, here's what happens. If you can understand the reality that Father has, have, has you seated at the table, has the, your name on the placard, and, and, and the, the spread on the table is for you, for you to receive from Him all that He has for you. When you realize that, then you're not the older son angry out in the field slaving away. Here's what you are. You're a son or a daughter serving in the family business. See, the work has to be done, folks. And it's not resting time. It's feasting time, no doubt about it. And God has the he has the, the table set and he wants us to feast, but reality is it's working time. And he needs the workers out in the field. So this isn't about unplugging from the field. But what is our heart condition going to be like out there in that field? If you're a slave, if you are a fatherless slave out in the field, you're going to get angry. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get disappointed. You're going to get discouraged. And you're going to quit. But if you understand your value your intrinsic value because you have been created by the Almighty. He loved you so much that He died for you and your reality is that you are His son or you are His daughter. Out there, you are simply participating in the family business. And let me tell you, those people don't quit because they're invested. It's the family business. There's inheritance involved. There's way too much at stake to to squander away the family business. Who would do that? I don't know what time we have, but I'm just asking that you would, for a moment, close your eyes. I don't truly suspect that we have lost sons or lost daughters in this room. I would imagine that we've all found Christ, you wouldn't be sitting in here tonight. I would imagine that we would all fall into the category of the older son. The question is, have you really understood your sonship? Have you really understood your daughtership? Have you been feasting on the blessings that Father has put out there for you? Can you see yourself in the room right now with the spread that Father has put out there. Can you put yourself in that room right now? And when you find yourself in that room, can you see your placard? Can you see your name on the table? Have you found your chair? And he invites you to sit.
This picture is critical for us. It's a, it's a picture we've got to hold on to because it helps us to realize and cling to the true value of who we are. You're not a servant. You're not a slave. You're not an orphan. You are a child of the King. Your seat is not in the kitchen. It's not in the slave quarters. It is right there in the presence of the Almighty. And he's just inviting us to partake and partake of his blessings and participate in the family business. allow yourself to find rest in this place for a few minutes as we close with the the song of love to, to our Father.
Let's all stand as we conclude with benediction prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for providing a place for us to feast. Thank you, Lord. And go to this place ready. Ready to feast at your table. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in his peace.